0: Welcome to a podcast version of Wharton Moneyball. Today, I'm Eric Radlow. Today with my host, Shane Jensen and Adi Weiner. Uh, One of the things we talked about was the elite quarterbacks in the NFL and Jalen Hurts. And is he elite? He certainly had elite performance, but we'll talk about that analytically. And of course, the other thing we'll talk about is MLB win rates for the rest of the season. Is uh, companies like Fangrass, are they shrinking win rates too much into the center? Well, listen to our discussion on Wharton Moneyball. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Wharton Moneyball on Business Radio. Welcome. Welcome to Wharton Moneyball, the show where sports, statistics, and business collide. My name is Eric Bradlow, professor of marketing and statistics here at the Wharton School, and I'm joined today by my colleague Adi Weiner, professor of statistics, and Shane Jensen, professor of statistics, some combination of the three of us, and Kate Massey here every week or at least for the last nine plus years here on Wharton Moneyball, both the podcast edition and on Sirius XM 132. So guys, um, there is some news going on in the NFL. I know Shane, you've given some thought to what just happened in our city of brotherly love and Jalen hurts. So maybe catch our listeners up and what's
1: your reaction to it? Well, I mean, I, I guess, the, I mean, that's obviously the, 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 the event that we're Eric's referring to is Jalen hurts signed contract. Uh, it's actually, I guess it makes him, in terms of a- average annual value, the highest paid NFL highest paid. player in history, which is kind of interesting. 51 um, million, yep. But, but you know, it's only a five-year contract. It's got less guaranteed money than the Deshaun Watson contract. So, you know, you, you could argue either way whether this is team-friendly versus, you know, Jalen Hurts-friendly. Um, it is, I think, from the team. I, I mean, I think if Jalen Hurts continues to – Play relatively injury free and at uh, the elite level that we saw him end last season at. I think it's going to be a steal, this deal, because you've kind of essentially locked in elite performance for five years at kind of what would probably be sort of probably the peak performance of his career. But again, it's a big bet that he's going to stay elite. But let's you remember. Know, I mean, if, just, if he regresses back down to an average quarterback, then this is a significant overpay. Adi, you want to jump in? Yeah, is please. He really
2: elite? I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to be. The, I'm not going to tell you that I know much about quarterbacks in a, in in a, in based on my own work. But I, you know, I don't think Sumer or PFF or any of the 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 analytics type typically rate Jalen
1: Hurts as one of the top five quarterbacks. I mean, well, I mean, I'm, he was before he got injured. He was being talked no. about for MVP this year. Sure. Oh,
2: no, 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 no. Uh, MVP. But I mean, yeah, sure. Well, I mean,
1: but, what, what measure of, I mean. Yeah, I mean, this kind is of, kind of the it. ultimate measure of eliteness, really, if you want. To no,
2: that's it. what uh, measure of popularity. I mean, the analytics focus people, the people, and this is what we should really should be talking about. We are an analytics show. We know, it, I think in, 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 in football, the difference between what the analysts say is the MVP and who the public and the the I don't know how they determine in, in the football thinks is the MVP is can be quite
1: different. Um, yeah, I don't think that's the real controversy here, though. It's not like hurts like looks terrible if you look at the peripherals. Oh no, like, no you know, it just not captures it our imagination. I think really the controversy is: do we have enough? Just you know, I you know, I, I I'm I'm going to kind of classify the second you know most of what he played his performance last season including the playoffs as elite performance elite performance as elite performance whether but you know whether or not that's enough observation whether he's done it for enough time to say that you know i'm I'm willing to bet that that's actually i would frame it this way and
0: shane you see if you agree with this i would say there's obviously one quarterback in the nfl who's truly elite obviously that's patrick mahomes I would say that the next tier of quarterbacks we could debate. Wow. There's cert- what? No, I'm saying the next tier of quarterbacks for me. I think Josh Allen's an excellent quarterback. I think Jalen Hurts is a had a great year last year. I think uh, Justin Herbert is potentially a great quarterback. I think Trevor Lawrence showed us something, but I wouldn't put him yet in that tier. I would say those are the next three or four quarterbacks in the NFL. Maybe when he's healthy, Lamar Jackson. But I mean, I don't put it this way. Joe Burrow is obviously considered elite by many. So maybe Mahomes and Burrow would be at the top with, but I think. I mean, I, of young quarterbacks, right?
1: What'd you say? Of young quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, I, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers suits up. He's. No,
0: I understand. He didn't have a great year last year. But I think, I think, Adi, uh, it would it'd be fair to say the following. I think almost everybody would probably put Jalen Hurts certainly in the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL right now. And possibly even most people would put him higher than that. And so given he's 24 years old, you know, he's still younger than, well, you know, remember our guest, Hendon Hooker, maybe drafted in the first round. He's older than Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts has played three seasons already. I, I put it this way I agree with Shane that, and I saw something about the cap hit. I was shocked at what it was. It's low. First of all, next year's his fourth year, so he's still under that contract. This yeah. was a contract extension. So I think his I think his cap hits for the next three years are like 20 million, 30 million, 40 million. That's not that big a number. And by the way, you know how the NFL works Shane. if he's still great in three years and he's been great, they can sign him to another extension yeah. and push off his cap yeah. hit again. You may never actually have this massive, they'll rip up this contract, write them to another five-year contract, and then the cap hit of fifty, sixty million $60 may never come.
1: Yeah, but, and I mean, I, I, again, it's sort of like, I think it's particularly, I, I think it's interesting because you, we mentioned Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. These are quarterbacks. I mean, the Lamar situation is extra complicated, and he's played a lot more. So really, I think the two analogs are Burrow and Herbert, right. you know, Does this contract kind of basically, you know, give a floor to those contracts, you know, like, because I think we, to the extent that we would, uh, you know, argue elite versus non-lead, why, why have a, you know, I mean, your power ranking, I think is a better way of doing it. Why, why we focus on elite versus non-lead. Hertz is probably kind of in, you know, clustered at least close to Burrow. And, 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 and and Herbert in terms of the performance thus far, and they're, they're kind of at similar kind of phases where they would be getting signed in the next season or two, you know, I I think it really does kind of, I, I think, I think there is some advantage to the Eagles in doing this kind of first among those three. I think they set that they, in each cat- the contract. Floor. That becomes the floor of the next one.
0: Yeah, they can only get more. Herbert and Burrow can only get more than Hertz, not less. Yeah, Adi, please jump on well, in. I mean,
2: how much of it is guaranteed? So what if what if it turns out to be one hundred
0: and seventy nine million of it? I think was guaranteed. Yeah, the two fifty five one seventy nine is guaranteed. Which again, you know, uh, uh, Deshaun Watson two hundred and thirty million guaranteed. So they didn't give that, but yeah, one hundred and seventy nine million of it is guaranteed, Adi. But again. You know, as the cap goes up 8, 10 percent every year, we're going to be sitting here in three years. Yeah, he might be, I don't know, 20 percent of the cap right now and 13, 12 percent of the cap in four or five years. But yeah, 179 million of it's guaranteed. Well, guys, we'll obviously see how that goes. Um, But, you know, I think I agree with I like the way Shane phrased it. He played like an elite quarterback. He had elite performance. Whether he's yes. an elite quarterback for the next five years, I don't know. But he had an elite elite performance for sure. I
2: don't know. Were you really thinking it was a deal you wanted as an Eagles fan?
0: Yes. You did. Yeah. yeah. I saw him during the playoffs. Uh, I saw every playoff game. Um, he was elite during the playoffs. He was great in the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, he, he was
1: one was, drive away and one drive and some ref calls away from being like the Super Bowl MVP. Would
0: have been the Super Bowl MVP for sure if they had won the game. Yeah. And the defense didn't stop him once in the second half. Yeah. It was not his fault. You had told me he was going to throw for whatever, three, four touchdowns, run for 75, 80 yards, and and throw for 350 yards. Yeah, you take that all day long. Yeah, he had an elite performance in the Super Bowl. Elite. But
1: again, you know, I mean, Philadelphia's also, it's worth noting, you know, uh, the Eagles also thought they had an elite quarterback, the yep. last time around when they signed a quarterback <laughs> early to a big contract and that quarterback ended up having a lot of injuries in the next season and obviously mediocre performance from there on out so it's oh you exciting. mean Carson
0: Wentz is not yeah. a lease oh
1: right I oh. just feel like if you he go- certainly
0: was when they signed
1: him to that
0: I, don't I don't
2: know I mean I I feel I feel like I miss Cade right here uh I always feel like the base rate on this is just doesn't doesn't Hold up! I mean, the the base rate of a uh, someone who's been elite in the past, played elite, and then you give them a big contract, it's not like it's 50-50. I think it's it's worse than that in general. So,
0: well, guys, we got lots of time, and of course, next week I'm sure we'll be talking about the NFL draft, which will only be a few days away. So, guys, let's. Uh, we've talked some baseball on this show, but never enough, for Audie and me. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't we, in the last few minutes we have here on Morton Moneyball, uh, why don't we talk a little, about a little bit of baseball? So, I don't know, Audie, we'll start with you uh what's caught your eye in baseball that we haven't talked about or that we didn't talk about with neil greenberg or what, what's caught your eye in baseball Well,
2: you know it's it's all rule rules changes all the time i mean there's some obviously there's much more action there's more balls going through batting averages and balls and player up i didn't realize home runs were up i don't think they're up significantly uh, maybe for april i think we've had a decently warm april that matters yeah. that's actually a that's actually a new new uh new baseball item i caught my eye was uh um some talk about the effect
1: of temperature on it, on is, it has season. certainly been a much warmer spring in most cities yes and it was like last, last year was coming on cold what did the study find
2: no so it's it's basically we all know that balls travel more in the in uh, warmer weather right um but there's been some effort to quantify exactly how much that is yeah. it's about one percent per degree um which is one percent more home runs per degree um that's that's actually I actually Alan Nathan, who's a, a physicist who talks about baseball extensively. Um, he talked about it on his Twitter feed. Um, one of the things that that is interesting to me is, is the shoulder months are uh, is where it all happens, because um, the the if you're looking at say global warming that happens uh most of the warming is is the colder months are not as cold so right. you less bad marches aprils septembers um i just grabbed some data from like los angeles there hasn't been any change in the weather in in uh, june july and august over there but their aprils and their septembers have been have been a couple degrees warmer than they have than they were about 80 90 years ago um so we're seeing slightly more home runs this year that's probably due to uh um it's not due to the shift or maybe it is um uh it's probably due to slightly warmer weather um so that's one thing to think about but I I was uh what did you guys think of the Domingo Herman con- um uh and the Rosenbag we we're, we've been talking about where are the umpires and the rules um with this uh, hear anything
0: um, about this what what was the story so
2: Domingo Herman he pitched four incredible innings and then after the fourth inning the umpires came up to him and said he had like a no hitter going right I think got a no hitter going they said let me see your hands um, and his hands were extremely uh, chalky with rosin, which isn't illegal. The problem of course is that you might use a lot of extra rosin to disguise what other junk you're putting on your hands that is illegal. And they told him to co- go to the to the to the locker room and wash it off and he came back with
1: rosin on his hands and they didn't toss him from the game. Um, so they just I think- made him wash again like basically his hands were, Even though Rawson's a legal substance, it can build up to the extent that the umpires can just tell you to go wash your hands. I see. And I guess... I'm
2: not sure what the rules. I think that I think is that I think it might be that Rosin actually covers up something that
0: else. Yeah, no,
1: that's I mean that's part of the part of the rationale for why they can kind of ask you to wash your hands, even if theoretically your hands only have legal substances on them. Well,
0: let's let's so let's just also talk about a a few things have happened in baseball. Like I actually just put up on the uh, in our rundown um, some projections for the rest of the 2023 season. Let me tell you some things that seem really surprising to me. So right now the Rays started out. I love always love doing this. The Rays are fourteen and three. So let's say they've play, they've played seventeen games. Let's say their forecast at the moment was ten and seven, which means they're four games above where they should have been. And of course, you have to tweak them up a little bit on your prediction of how well they would have been at the beginning of the season. So maybe do you put them six to seven wins? um above where they were at the beginning of the season the four they already have maybe two more for the rest of the season so is right now at least on fan graphs they're at 94 projected wins is that too low yeah
1: that's that's what I, of i don't i don't think no no i don't think it's necessarily too yeah, low no, just no, cause because it's again my- it's such a it's it's hard to kind of do these it's just such a powerhouse of a division like it's such a you know like buzzsaw of a division I think that those teams are going to beat up on each other a lot. I mean, I know they don't play each other quite as often as they used to to beat up on each other, but I still think, um, you know, uh, it, I I think ninety four is kind of high.
2: That's a I pretty. Do think... you, you think so? that's a pretty shrunk forecast? Basically, yeah. you're still going with most of your preseason estimate on their on their ability. I mean, you might have bumped that up a couple games. How many did to... they?
1: How many did they win last year?
2: They won eighty six.
1: Right. Right. So you basically, if if you just Rolled those extra seven. Right. There you are. That's all you, you are. So
2: they basically have got them at preseason. Yeah. Um, and they're essentially discounting this incredible opening. At-
1: no, because it's worth also. It's not just that, you know, they're going to regress in terms of the performance. But, you know, as Neil pointed out, I mean, they've been playing not good teams. It's, you know, it's like the Athletics, the Tigers, the Red Sox, all these teams that are, you know, looking quite wait, bad wait. so far. I mean, the Athletics. I mean, talk about something they're that's horrible. not sustainable. I already mentioned it. They're allowing over seven, they're averaging over seven and a half runs against a game. <laughs> that's crazy.
0: The number that, that you'll find weight. Here's the one that maybe now that I'm looking at it shocks me the most. Don't look at the rundown for a second. Hmm. The Dodgers are eight and nine. How many wins do you think they're projecting for the Dodgers? 97. 86. 86. I don't think much of the Dodgers, huh? Wow. Wow. Possible. Blah, yeah. All right,
2: all it right. I mean, been like
0: 105 last year or something?
2: More than that. More. Um, well, that I mean, to regress them down. Typically, you never predict any given team to win 94 or more than 94 or 5 runs uh, wins in a season. I mean, no one. But 86 for the Dodgers.
0: No, no, no. But actually, it's not that bad. Let me just, let's justify it. I'll justify it. So... Let's suppose the beginning of the season, they were forecasted to win 60% of their games. That would get them to 97, obviously, right? Yeah, about. And now let's imagine, obviously, they've lowered it to lower than I would, but they've lowered it to 540 for the rest of the season. Well, that's what would get you to 86 wins. So the question is, how much below 600 would you regress back a team that's eight and nine? I would have gone to 57 or 58%, which would maybe give them another three or four wins, but it's hard to project them at higher yeah. than 90 wins right now. I mean unless you believe that they're really still a 600. 600- uh, yeah, and
1: I mean, I just, I, I don't want to regress too much based on what's happened so far, because, I mean, it's, A, there's just not a large sample size to support, regress, you know, uh, and also it's, like, so unbalanced. But I mean, no, it's, Shane, like, four I mean, serious, are, You wouldn't right? regress 60% to 57%. That's all it takes. I'd have to look at who they lost to to get to 8 and 9. Are they good to, you know, if it's, if it's the Braves, like, piling up like if they're piling up like yeah I I I guess it's sort of you know I I think right now we can't even because you know the team the amount of games we're seeing isn't even it's not it's it's both small sample sizes and incredibly unbalanced
0: but how do you how comfortable do you feel with the Dodgers at let's even just say 86 to 90 are you willing are you Dottie, are you comfortable with that right now I mean 86
2: I'm not comfortable with 86 uh 90 I'd be quite comfortable with yeah um, I, my, I would have thought maybe a little higher, but I'd be comfortable. Listen, fangraphs is a pretty mean regression machine. Remember last year when the Yankees were at one won 700% of their games, uh, you know, 70% of their games at, at the All Star break, and they were predicting them to win 570, go the rest of the season, and shit, they were right. Um, yeah, true enough. <laughs> they got it right but, that one. Uh, but uh, I mean they really are they really hang on to their their uh, and they regress really hard through a, they don't update um, performance very much um, obviously they take into account what you actually did but they tend to not react to your to uh, the actual performance um, I'm not sure it's the best forecaster on an individual basis or even aggregate but that's, that's certainly what they do I'm not sure even what, what it is the mechanism that they use right I mean I'm not sure how they do that uh, but um, I mean, this is a great topic we
1: make. We yeah. Last last time the Dodgers actually finished with less than 90 wins was 2012. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, me not,
1: not, not counting the COVID year. I course. always ask I mean,
0: you guys this every yeah. year, but I feel like it's my. A uh, series. It's my obligation here on Mort Moneyball to continue asking this question. So let's say we look at Fangraph's numbers. And this is the concept I have of like at, in aggregate. So I look at their numbers. They're projecting only three teams to win more than 90 games. Forget who those three teams are. We, I. Fairly confident more than three teams are going to win 90 games. So when you make forecasts, do you ever kind of look at like here's the resulting distribution, even though it seems coherent individually, but you look at the aggregate, you know, histogram and you're like, that can't be right. It's shrunken too far in, then I
1: got to do something about it. Or well, it depends on how you interpret these things. Like if you kind of think about their win rate as a parameter right then yeah of course you would not want to have those parameters go too far the edge of the distribution but any season that you would simulate from these underlying proportions would you know there'd be randomness in that simulation it's what a Bayesian would call the posterior predictive distribution and that would have the extra variation that you know in it, that would kind of, you know, in, in in season simulated from these underlying rates, we would see teams randomly pop up above 100 wins. I'm not sure it would be totally calibrated to the exact number of teams that you should have based on history. But I kind of feel like these are kind of, as long as you interpret these as underlying, you know, kind of like like proportions or, or like team strength kind of parameters and, and, and acknowledge that they're actual the outcome, the number of wins is going to be a noisy version of that. I think that gets you that extra variation. And so you can't look at these and say like, yeah, I can't look at, at at this distribution of these underlying parameters and get the same range that I actually observe in the totals from a season. Yeah, it just,
0: I agree with you. It just seems like things are maybe shrunken in just a little too bit, a little too much. Um, guys, in the last minute or two, we have, um, one of the things, I guess Shane, you put in the rundown was about Otani. So can you oh give us a sense of how great he's already been?
1: Yeah. I mean, he's, well, he's leading, leading the major leagues in war already. 1.7 war in like, what has it been like, you know, 16 couple, games you, wait. So if he had games. a 17 war, that would be good. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. No, if he keeps it going, if he manages <laughs> to be top five in both hitting and pitching again, um, you know, uh, he'll probably win MVP. Again, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, he's just been amazing. I was a little bit bummed out because like yesterday he was uh, supposed to pitch against uh the Red the Red Sox and he started um but it, you know, kind of there's a rain delay so he, he wasn't able to continue that game. But yeah, I mean, his hitting is off. Yeah, I mean, he's he's amazing. He's got like 142 OPS plus, but his pitching, he's started four, four games. He's allowed two unruns in 21 innings. His ERA is .86.
0: He's an incredible player. Well, guys, as always, I want to thank our producer, Matt Datz, and our associate producer, Dion Simpkins, for keeping us on the straight and narrow. Uh, on behalf of myself, Eric Bradlow, my co-host, Shane Jensen, and Adi Weiner, uh, this has been two hours here on Morton Moneyball. Between now and next week, enjoy your sports, enjoy your statistics, and we'll see you next week here on Morton Moneyball.